Okay, Luke chapter 11. And I'm going to be honest with you, there are a lot of things I want to talk about, a lot of things I want to share, and I, I want you to hear me when I say this, because I, I want you to understand that, that, that I don't expect one Sunday morning a week to teach you everything you need to know about whatever topic we're, we're talking about that week. So when I'm talking about prayer, even if we make it six weeks long, I don't expect it to be the full... Uh, uh, measure of everything there is to know about prayer. That's it. one thing, especially when you're talking about prayer. It's, that's impossible. What I'm hoping is that it spurs you on to, one, activate that in your life, but two, be continually grow in it. I want this to be a church where our minds are sharpened. I want this to be a church where we are intellectually and our mind is being renewed daily and regularly. I do not want this to be a church where our minds are switched off. I do believe that our spirit and our heart will be full. I believe the Holy Spirit's going to use us and move us, but I also believe that when those things combine and we are able to uh, confidently speak about or apply the things that God wants to do in our lives, we can go that much further. And it does not mean that we all become biblical scholars in that sense, but that this becomes daily bread. That it becomes the thing that renews our mind, renews our soul. And uh, I want to encourage you in that um, uh, as we go through this. Luke chapter 11, we started last week. Uh, technically, we started two weeks ago, but last week we really kicked off the series called Teach Us to Pray. Teach Us to Pray. The only time the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to do something was prayer uh, because they had seen him over and over and over again before he would do his miracles of power before he would do the things with the crowds and he would multiply the bread and the fish and he would heal a man of leprosy all the things Jesus did what you find over and over and over again is the model and pattern of Jesus getting away and going to a place and being in prayer with the father and so Jesus set this kind of rhythm, and so the disciples, being really kind of actually a smart thing, because they could have been, oh, how'd you heal, or how did you break the bread into thousands of pieces, or how did, they go, oh, you know what, and by the way, the, 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 the whole breaking of the, the fid and, fid? fish and bread miracle happened with prayer, right? Jesus goes, God, I bless it, and he broke it. And so the prayer's part of it, and the disciples, smart enough to know, hey, I think prayer has a big part in this. I think prayer actually means something in this whole living this thing out, life, following Jesus, and yet dumb enough to understand, right, that we would ask him about it. Because how many of us, how many of us have spent our whole lives wanting to be better at prayer and never asking God to help us grow in it? Or never asking someone around us who seems to really crank it when it comes to prayer, they go, hey, how, teach me, just give me some, why? Because we just always kind of think we'll figure it out on our own, right? Some of you put things together on your own. And I, I remember, uh, in fact, the other night we were putting a fan in the ceiling, and the person doing it was like, I should have read the instructions. But, but he did it probably better than the instructions could have told him. But all that to say, we are those kinds of people, aren't we? We tend to be those, we, we tend to go, man, I know there's more to this, but I'm not sure I want to really kind of go, God, show me how to do it. So we even emphasized last week, we said, hey, you know, too many of us are worried what to say when we pray. And maybe we should just, and Kevin actually just alluded to this, maybe we should just say, when are we going to pray? And just set that time. And then go, God, speak. Because I, I don't know exactly what to say right now. I don't know exactly how to do this. I'm not great at it. I wouldn't necessarily say I'm an A-plus student when it comes to prayer, as though God is grading our prayer life. But I do want to be better, and I do want to grow in relationship to you, and I do want my prayers to be effective, uh, like it says in James, and I do want them to 
an effect on my world. And I do believe, maybe this is one of the primary reasons it doesn't always work, is because we don't always believe prayer will work. Sometimes we just believe things will happen, and it is what it is. And that's a very hard, that is a very hard paradigm to pray in. To think, well, it's just going to happen however God wants it to happen, we don't need to pray. Why would he give us prayer if it doesn't actually have any effect? And so we, some of us have to battle against the idea that prayer, and maybe for some of us it's past experiences or even current extenuated circumstances, and they just won't go away, that, that is kind of knocked back our belief or our lean-in or our faith about prayer. And so we approach prayer in a very, well, it's not going to do anything, but I'm supposed to do it because I'm a Christian kind of way. And so Jesus teaches the disciples how to pray in a very clear way. And many of you guys have heard this prayer. It's become very traditional. Uh, it's become very much something that we'll repeat. You know, people will pray it before football games, which I don't fully understand. But, you know, whatever. It's kind of cool. And, uh, and, and, and we pray this prayer. But what does it mean? And so I want to take some time this week. Last week we started into the first few verses we talked about the very first few things that Jesus said. Today I want to talk about the second half of the Lord's Prayer. And there's all kinds of ways that people divide this. Some will divide it the way I'm dividing it. Some will divide it as that first statement and then the rest. Um, some will they'll, they'll break it apart. The reality is, is that that's not, that's not really the point. The point is here's a model. Here's a, a way. Here's a template to, to pray. Um, don't use this as just you have to pray these words these as things that you should be regularly praying about. Does that make sense? I've told you guys last week that there are times where I lean into the Lord's Prayer and I start with Father and then I never stop there. I, I just never go past Father because I know that in that day or in that time or in that week, I need to know my Father. And so I just pray that way. God, help me to be in relationship with you this week. Holy Spirit, show me what it is to know the Father, what it is to know a God who loves me and is for me. And I'll just stay in that place. That word Father just brings up, and for some of us, it brings up some negative things. So maybe that's a place to pray. God, help me to have a better view of who you are, because our view of who God is will affect how we speak to him. Our view of who God is will affect the way we believe about him or think about him, especially in moments of prayer. Okay, Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Are you ready? Once Jesus, oh, John is ready. Anybody else ready? Okay, just want to make sure. Listen, I know the 9 o'clock, y'all come to 9 o'clock thinking you can get away with being quiet. That is not true. And, uh, you know, if anything, I'm waiting even more. So y'all speak up. All right, Luke 11, verse 1. Once Jesus was in a certain place. There you go again. There's the pattern of Jesus. The pattern of Jesus was to go uh, a certain place of prayer, as he, a certain place of praying, sorry. As he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. And maybe that's just the way we should act, right? Teach us to pray, just like conversation. Good conversation is a learned art form, isn't it? You ever had a conversation with a, a three-year-old? It doesn't really go anywhere. It, unless you just go, yeah, uh-huh, sure, yeah, okay, what? Yeah, I meant yeah, let's go, yeah. You know, we, the, the conversation is a bit of a learned thing, so why wouldn't prayer be the same thing? Now, I said this last week, because how many of you have ever heard, hey, guys, just, it's okay, prayer is just conversation with God. Anybody heard that one? <laughs> and you're like, hold up, I don't even talk to strangers well, and you want me to talk to God? Like, didn't you just say he created the earth and stuff? Like, that seems intimidating. Like, hey, no big deal, it's just a president. Hey, no big deal, it's just a, you know, like, there's like big names and big things. So it, it, sometimes that even phrase, while it is true, can be a bit intimidating. 
Even that phrase doesn't take the, uh, the, the mystery of prayer away because in many ways it just emphasizes the, the, the mystery. In many ways it emphasizes the idea, oh, wait, I can talk to God? Wait, and he's going to talk back? It, it takes a while just to wrap your head around that, doesn't it? And for some of us, we are still wrapping our head around it, and we've followed Jesus for 27 years, right? It is that kind of mystery that we are so involved in. When we try to make the gospel, when we try to make this life in faith so simplistic and pragmatic that it becomes easy to comprehend, we have missed out on what Paul calls the mystery of the gospel. It's not to say that, that, that you can't know anything and there aren't certain things that God has done, but it is to say that there's always going to be more to find out. There is always going to be more to discover. Dallas Willard says it like this, that we shouldn't be pastors and leaders who, who try to tell everybody that only the pastors hear from the Lord. We actually want to be people who guide others in the adventure of following Jesus, the adventure of following God. And for too many, we have made it too simplistic and too pragmatic, and they're looking for ways to, to lean in. They're looking for ways to step out. They're looking for ways to live a little bit more on the edge, and we're showing, no, 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 it's all it's just right here in this box, and that's not actually true. I think that's probably what, in so many ways, Kevin discovered a little bit of when he went to Oxford Falls. Oh, okay, okay, that breaks that, uh, that breaks through there, that breaks that wall, that's okay, I didn't think that's, okay, yeah, it, it just reshuffles, and on a regular basis, I've found in my life of faith, in my following of Jesus, that God continually and regularly breaks whatever paradigm I've tried to create. He's continually busted out of any box that I've tried to put him in, and that's important. Okay, we've got a few verses to cover, so y'all tell me to Stop talking, just get reading. Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. I mean, prayer existed before Jesus showed up because it's always been a part of how we relate to God. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, and again, we emphasized this last week. Father, relationship. It's relationship. If we pray simply for what we need, simply for the moments that we are in, in need of something, we will miss out on the great power and, and joy of what prayer is for. It is relationally driven. It is all about relating to God. It is all about, because he could have said a whole lot of things. He could have said, God, I humble myself before you. God, I am a terrible person. God, I don't know what I, don't know what I was thinking. No, he, start, he starts with Father. And in many ways, I would say this is how Jesus prays. In so many ways, this is some of the things Jesus would have prayed. Father, he prays with relationship at the forefront because it frames the context for every other thing. If you see God as a good father, then, then you will ask things and you will request things in a different way. Father, may your name be kept holy because how many of you know we can bring it down every once in a while? Father, you're good and God, you are great. Father, you're good, and God, you are so great. You're holy, you're set apart, there is none like you. In other words, there should be a moment in your prayer life where wonder and awe show up. God, you are holy. You are bigger than all the circumstances and situations. You're bigger than all the things. You are holy. Then this is the next one. May your kingdom come soon. Now, this is New Living. He says it a little bit differently. But may your kingdom come soon. Your kingdom show up. May heaven show up on earth. Now, we said this. Again, we said this. And I know I'm framing a lot of what we're about to share. 
But last week we talked about this idea that that first few parts of the, the prayer are our way of posturing ourselves towards the Lord. They are orienting ourselves with the Lord. They are putting us in a place where we're looking at him as father and as holy and that our purpose in life is to partner with him in bringing the kingdom of heaven into earth. That if we start with prayer that is relational, right, and in awe and wonder and in partnership, that prayer is a place where I realize my posture towards him. Prayer is a place where we are reminded, this is what I wrote down, we are reminded of our relationship to him, our wonder of him, and our partnership with him. Prayer is a place where we are reminded of our relationship to him, our wonder of him, and our partnership with him. And if we can get that right, the rest of this will, will flow easily. But if we don't get that right, if we don't have that as part of what we do, then the rest of it becomes hard because now it becomes us about fixing us. Then it becomes about us trying to sort it out. It becomes about us trying to make a way. When what, if we understand God is a good father and he's a great God and his purpose is to bring heaven to earth, then man, the rest of it kind of just begins to make a little more sense. So what is the rest of it? Are you with me? Okay, what is the rest of it? Luke chapter 11, verse 3. Give us, everybody say us. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I, I hope you guys are starting to see this more and more. I will harp on it the rest of my life. But everywhere you read, every time you read the Bible, you realize that God was never, ever just about you. Although I think he about you, he was also about us. I mean, so much of the New Testament is about bringing the body of Christ together. And he chooses a person in the midst of a people to speak to the people, but he never does it for only for the sake of the person. He does it for the sake of the people. And so even Paul is going and building what? Churches. And he does that through people. So there is, a, a, there is an individualistic, there is a personal element to all of this, but there is actually so also on the same level a corporate element to this. There is a, a people element to this. And so give us, give us our daily bread. Give us our daily bread. And again, the New, the New Living Translation, give us each day the food we need. Now, I don't know about you, but there have been times when you've heard this and someone has explained this away and said, yeah, that just means that you should have the word of God in your life. Anybody ever heard that? And I think that's true. I think there's two meanings to this prayer, but, but many times we try to over-spiritualize it. And, and one commentator said it this way, we try to explain away why in this majestic, amazing, powerful Lord's Prayer, we're praying for bread. Like, what in the world is that? Why are we praying for bread? This is how they said it. When Jesus says bread, he means real bread, as in the sense of daily provision. Early theologians allegorized this. They couldn't imagine a mundane thing like bread in such a majestic prayer like this. Now, let, I want you to think about this, though, for a moment. Because how many of us don't think God cares about the mundane, everyday things we need in life. How many of us, like Elijah, waiting for the word of God, are looking in the lightning and looking in the storm and looking in the fire and looking in all the things, and then God shows up in a gentle whisper? Just a word. How many of us are frustrated about the big things that we've been praying for and not taking account for all the little things God has already done? God is so, it's such an amazing thing to pray. God, your father, 
Lord, man, you are holy. Let your kingdom come and give us bread. It's a, it's a strange place to go. Like, I'm sure the disciples are like, oh, I'm sorry, what? Bread. Okay, you want us to pray for bread. Okay, cool. But isn't it so powerful to think that God wants you in your every day to think about the small things and to realize that he actually cares about them? To think that he actually cares about how you wake up in the morning. That he actually cares about the food you have. He actually cares that you're healthy. He actually cares that you get to work with a good spirit. He actually cares that your relationship's good that day, not just in the overall. He cares about all of these little things because maybe, just maybe, God understands that it's ultimately the little things, the continual things that bring the sudden things. Amen? That it is the little things that really are the big things. And, and I, I, I've heard this quote one time. It said the, that big doors swing on small hinges. And there, there are, and I understand that there are big prayers and there are big things. And this is not the only form of prayer. And in other words, I'm not telling you you never pray big things. But I find that if I know that he's already thinking about the little things and I'm in partnership with him on the little things and I'm praying about bread and I'm praying, then I all of a sudden have this sense that God cares about the little things. Oh, then he probably also cares about the big things. And so God wants us to understand in prayer, God, you care about the little stuff that's bothering me. I don't have to hold that myself. I don't have to fix that even myself. I don't, now, I'm partnering with you. There's wisdom. I'm, I'm going to partner with you. But, but I, I don't have to worry and you worry about the big things. This isn't, hey, God, I'll take care of all this stuff because I know you got bigger things on your mind. This is, God, you know what? You care about how things are provided for today. I think it also speaks to the nature of God, that he speaks in a still, small voice. I can think about times where Caleb will be uh, thinking about doing something, and he will turn around and look at me, and without saying anything, we say something to each other. And sometimes we are waiting for God to shout and yell and rip the roof off, and he's just looking at us spirit to spirit and going, yeah, yeah, go. Kason will look at me, and we go to the skate park, he'll look at me and and uh, should I go? And I'm like, do you want to? Yeah, go. Like, what do you, yeah, go for it. Because remember, we talked about this last week. Prayer is less about meeting the need. Prayer is more about developing the character to know what God already wants so you don't have to ask him when it comes time. There is a part of this where God is developing you into people that he says, do you see something that needs to be uh, met, a need that needs to be met? Do it. Do, do you see a prayer that needs to be prayed? Pray it. Is, is there bread that someone else doesn't have? Then provide it. I don't, you don't have to ask me if I, you should do that. You already know. We've been in conversation. We've been in communication. We have been in this place where we are developing this healthy, life-giving relationship. And so when it comes time to go, you just, you just go. We don't have to talk about it. You know it. And for many of us, we don't understand that the Lord speaks spirit to spirit. We're going to talk in a few weeks about the, the, how do we hear God's voice. How do we, especially in moments where we feel like we've been praying and nothing's coming back. Anybody ever been there? So we're going to talk about that. Everybody, yeah, yeah. We're going to talk about that in a few weeks. And I'm really excited about what's happening next week. But I'll I, I tell you, there's a, a spirit to spirit thing that happens in our lives that we don't always account for. We don't always, and it's exactly what Kevin was saying, if we would be still long enough for him to go, yes. 
hey, you know what? Have you thought about this? Hey, have you, that still, small voice, can he speak through the thunder and the lightning? Yes. But can he also speak through the sunshine and just through the calmness and the peace? Can he speak in a still, small voice and you hear him and respond? I, listen, I don't always want to have to yell to get my son's attention. And if all I am ever doing is yelling, then there is something not working in that relationship. There is a point where I need to be able to just go, Kason, and he turns, because my sheep know my voice. And so there's this, there's this regular, consistent give us, and I do believe that the give us this daily bread, give us the day-to-day bread, give us these things, speak to the idea that we should be taking care of one another as well. That there should be a level of, I'm going to care for people. Because it is not just give me my daily bread, but it is give us our daily bread. Because we are to look at life as a people, not just a person. We are to look at life as, it, it, it is the same way as to say if I was, uh, I, as a father, if I only ever looked at what met my needs and not my children and not my wife. It, that would be, I, y'all would not respect me, y'all would definitely not listen to me, and my, my kids and my family would never be in church. Why? Because everything I'm saying isn't really, it's just for me. And we are what? We are the body of Christ. We are the family knit together. We are brick by brick placed together to be a dwelling place for the Lord. So if that's the case, then we should look at one another and in our prayers, give us our daily bread. And that spur us on to see other people when they don't have theirs. And in a few weeks we'll deal with, why don't we always have the daily bread that we're supposedly praying for? Okay, then he gets to the next one. And the daily bread one, I'm telling you, the daily bread one is the only one that's a little bit weird because the other ones are a little bit heavy. The other ones are a bit challenging. He says, and forgive us our sins. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us and don't let us yield to temptation. And forgive us for our sins. Forgive us for our sins. I know, I know, I know, I know. You don't do that. Sin's not part of your life. It is amazing to me how often we can be offended and how unaware when we offend. It is amazing to me how often we can call people out for the places that offend us or make us uncomfortable and yet rarely tell ourselves, oh, you, maybe you shouldn't have done that. There is, there is, God is not messing around when it comes to relationship. I one book. One of the primary, one of the primary, he called it prayer busters. One of the primary ways prayer is halted or messed up is relational conflict. I mean, that's, that's messed up, right? But if we look at prayer as only and purely personal, and we don't look at it as a way to affect heaven on earth and affect community, then we will get frustrated when we have to pray a prayer like this. But when we understand that our prayers are meant to bring heaven to earth and meant to grow us together as people, then when we pray, Lord, forgive me where I have sinned. Forgive me where I've sinned. That won't be so crazy because we understand that in light of relationship, we probably have. And it doesn't mean that we are only sinning against each other, but it just simply means that, that we should have this posture. And I think, the, I think the church has really severely messed up repentance. And this has only come out in my heart, my heart and mind just in the last year or so. But this understanding of repentance. I repent a lot more now. 
In fact, the other day, Meredith and I were driving home, and, and uh, we were talking about our family and our kids, and, and I just out loud just said, man, I, and this is, not to, this is just me having this moment where, and I realized that later, and Meredith and I talked about it later, I said, I, said, I didn't like a certain thing that was happening in our family, and not like, hey, y'all get it together. And I immediately said, this, and it's, I know that it's my fault. I know that it's something I'm not doing, and I just I want to get back to doing that. And, and I'm telling you, within a couple days, I looked at Meredith and I said, hey, I think, that, I think that really helped. And she goes, yeah, because usually people think of things like that and they think they're, they're just beating yourself over the head with something. Really what you're doing is get back in alignment with who you really wanted to be. What if we thought about repentance the same way the authors, the Hebrew authors would have thought about it? Returning home to the ideal state. Retur- returning back to the way God had created us to live. What if we looked at it as going, oh, I've journeyed through a couple hard weeks. I've journeyed through a couple hard months. I've journeyed through a couple hard years. And I'm okay with where I am. God, I repent. I confess that this is not who I want to be. I want to be who you said I am. So God, would you just forgive that? Yes, I will. Okay, cool. So can we get back to being who we are called to become? What if forgiveness was something we relished? What if forgiveness was something we loved? What if forgiveness was something we enjoyed? What if forgiveness was, God, what an amazing gift that you would take every sin and every struggle and everything that I've done that wasn't according to your will and purpose and you made it right and you redeemed it. Wow, what an amazing thing. I am standing as a new creation in the righteousness of Christ and I can walk into everyday life And go, God, you're with me. You're for me. You're going to make things happen. And then he adds the next line of the prayer, right? The next line of the prayer is, and forgive others where they've sinned against us. Man, I wish we just kept it at the first part. God, I'm good. Confess it. I'm good. Lord, I'm not perfect. I get it. Okay, awesome. God, give me. But you want me to forgive others. It's interesting. It doesn't say in between, hey, go get Go get someone else to say they're sorry so that you can forgive them. Lord, help them to know how bad they are. And I forgive them. Forgiveness is never, it it, it never requires a sorry. If it did, some of us would be spending our whole life frustrated, hurt, bitter, angry. Forgiveness is a gift given to us, like Steve was just saying. I, I am not shaped by the things that I've been through. I, I'm not shaped by the circumstances I find myself in or by the offenses or the hurts or the sins of others. Man, I can forgive. I can walk whole and righteous and strong and pure. And I know God is with me. And I know that when I forgive others, man, he forgives me. He just continues to pour blessing on me. I'm, I'm, man, I'm moving on. I'm not going to hold that thing. And, that's what you, and the reason you have to pray about it is because that's not easy. And that's not simple. And it doesn't just happen. And you don't just say, I forgive and it all goes away. God, I want to forgive others. Help me, please, to forgive others. God, this thing is still an issue for me. But you've forgiven me for far worse. You've forgiven me. And that's why we ask God to forgive us before we challenge ourselves and pray about forgiving others. Because when we understand we've been forgiven, it is far easier for us to forgive. So God goes, hey, daily bread. Let me just mention one other thing on daily bread. If you're chasing other people's stuff, daily bread will never satisfy you. If you're chasing other people's lives, if you're chasing 
other people's Instagram feed, if you're chasing other people's quote-unquote successes when most of them are living in debt, if you're chasing the image of something else, then you will never be satisfied with daily bread. You'll never be satisfied with what God is putting in your heart. But God says if you're faithful with little, like, like bread, he would give you much. So what if we just stop worrying about everybody else's bread? Be thankful that they got bread. And pray about yours. Because what God has for you is different than what he has for them. And we all have different tastes, don't we? I think that's for a reason. I think the same thing for our lives. There are things that God has put a taste in us for. And if you're chasing other people's stuff, you're always going to be a little bit bitter. It's always going to be a little too sweet, a little too tart, a little too whatever. And and you're never going to be fully satisfied. Why? Because that was never the bread that was meant for you. So give us the bread that's meant for you. And then, Lord, forgive me. Let me get back into alignment with you. And, and I love that that's not like a really long prayer. It's, it's what? One, two, three, four, five words. And that's if you count and. It's four. Forgive us our sins. Done. Done. God, forgive me. Done. Hey, God, l- let me. Re- done. Hey, God, I'm sorry. Okay, cool. Hey, God, forgive me. Okay, sweet. Awesome. Let's get on to the next thing. If Matthew, when he's in Matthew, when he's talking about the Lord's Prayer, he's saying, don't pray like all those people that pray with a thousand words. who are trying to make it sound verbose and amazing and and using all these big words. No, just, God, forgive me. Okay, cool. Yeah, done. Done. Let's work on the next thing. And Lord, help us forgive those who sinned against us. And this next one, don't lead us don't let us yield to temptation. The other ways this is worded in other translations can be a bit challenging sometimes when you, when you pray or you hear it in the traditional form. You're kind of going, wait, I'm sorry, what? Why would you ever lead us there anyways? But really the idea of going, hey, you know what? Don't let us yield to temptation. Don't let us yield to the things that come across our path that are opposite or against what you would have for us. Don't let us be tempted by this or that. Let us, let us not yield to those things. And again... To me, there's a high level of relationship wrapped up in that phrase. That he would lead you. That the Holy Spirit leads us and guides us. And there are moments where we are in our... I think there are times, and I I, want to run into this today, but I'm not going to have time. There are times where we won't pray that last prayer because we think the very fact that there's temptation in our lives disqualifies us from talking to the one who can keep us from yielding to it. We are in the dark on something and we are hurting about something or we are tempted to do something and we immediately stop leaning on God because we think we've already been disqualified from his grace. And he actually puts in the prayer, Lord, don't let us yield to that when it shows up. When it shows up, I'm going to go, God, help me right now. I I don't want to be this person. I don't want to do this thing. I don't want to lean into that deal. I don't want... God, help me. It's exactly what Steve said. Don't let God be an afterthought. Don't let it always be, God, I can't believe I did that. I'm so sorry. Right before, God, I don't want to be this. I don't, let me stay in line with who you called me to be. Let me be a son and a daughter of God. Let me be the person you've called me to become. See, it's amazing when you put these two pieces of the prayer together and in one, you realize your posture towards God. 
And in the next, you realize the promises and the power of God towards you. That God would forgive you of all unrighteousness. That God cares about you so much that he would give you daily bread. And I just know this, that he's also a great chef and there's going to be other things that come along as well. That's just what he does. That's what Paul writes about, that God's given you everything you would ever need to live this thing out. And so he says, hey, I'll give you the daily bread. I forgive you of all your sins. And I'm going to give you the grace and the power and the strength to forgive others as well. And I'm going to lead you step by step through your life so that instead of yielding to temptation, you're having divine connections with people in your street, people at your workplace, people in your city. You're going to become an influencer. You're going to become a person because you are not yielding to temptation, but you are yielding to what I've called you to become and what I've made you to be and what I've put in your heart, what I've put you, put a taste in your life for. And God's going to use that. And when we can smash those parts together that we have a win we pray and when we pray we look at him as a father we look at him as a good God and we look at him as holy not not weak not uh, just same old same old not just some status quo not just like everybody else but set apart holy great God and then we pray kingdom come on this earth I want to see your kingdom I want to see heaven touch earth, not just Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 1045, but everywhere I go, whenever I go. And then, God, I want daily bread. God, I pray you provide daily bread. Let me not chase somebody else's bread. Let me not chase other things, but let me have what you have for me. I pray that I would stay there and I would be not just content. This is not a small prayer. God, I thank you that you are concerned with the everyday things of my life. And God, I pray you would forgive me. I do. I pray that you would bring me back into this place of grace and mercy. And I forgive others. And God, I pray that you would lead me. Man, that's a pretty powerful few statements. It's a powerful few phrases. And it's when we get right understanding and good understanding about what it means, man, it changes our life. So maybe today, the thing that you need to understand or we need to understand together about this prayer, and last week we talked about the uh, our posture towards him, maybe we need to understand today his posture towards us. Maybe in prayer we need to understand that God is leaning in and going, yeah, daily bread. Okay, what does that look like today? It looks like this and like this and like this. Okay, yeah, you're going to be, okay, I'm going to provide for you. I'm a good father. Don't ever forget that. I'm going to provide for you. Don't ever worry. I'm going to provide for you. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, I saw that when you did that thing and you weren't supposed to do that thing. And then you tried to tell me you didn't do that thing and you tried to keep a straight face. But I know that already because I'm God and I don't know why you try to hide that from me. But whatever, I forgive you for that because I'm a good God and I'm gracious. And the whole reason I sent my son was so that every time you ever said, God, I messed up, I can take care of it. Oh, I know. Yeah, they really did mess you over. Like, that was really not okay. That was not good. That was not, that was not what I intended. That was not my plan. That is not what I wanted but I think you can do it. Yeah, you know what? I'm giving you the grace to forgive somebody. Hey, you know what? Hey, today might be a little tough. You're a little tired, you know, which means you snapped a little bit. Like you get a little angry real quick. And you had a tough day at school yesterday or you had a tough day at work yesterday. And okay, so here's what I'm gonna need you to really lean on me today. I really need you. If we realized prayer is that God working with us and towards us, and that he's leaning in every time we raise our voice, wouldn't we do it more? 
wouldn't we lean into it more? Wouldn't we pray at 2 o'clock in the afternoon the same way we pray at 9 o'clock in the morning or 6 o'clock in the morning or 4 in the morning like some of you religious spiritual, amazing people. Um, you know, wouldn't we do that? Wouldn't we pray right before we go to bed? Why, wouldn't we pray over our kids randomly in the car out of nowhere? Wouldn't we pray with our spouse? Wouldn't we pray with our friends? Wouldn't we, wouldn't, wouldn't we do that if we understood what it was, that our posture towards him and his posture towards us? Lord, I pray today, this morning, in every person's life, right now, that there is something shifting in their own spirit and heart about what they believe about you. God, last week we emphasized our posture towards you and our orientation towards you. But I, ta- I pray that today what we hear is that you are postured towards us. I pray that today what we hear